Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And first, I want to update you on my Full Rigor episode 66. Yesterday was Florida's primary election day, and former Broward Sheriff Scott Israel, as I told you in the Sheriff Shuffle, was defeated by appointed Sheriff Gregory Tony. Now, Governor Ron DeSantis made good on a campaign promise and fired Israel in 2019 for his mishandling of two mass shootings, one at the Fort Lauderdale Airport and the other at MSD High in Parkland. Now, DeSantis appointed Tony who will now face Republican H. Wayne Clark in the general election. Both Israel and Tony ran as Democrats yesterday in the primary, and Tony beat him about by 4,000 votes. So if Tony wins on November 3rd, he'll be the first African-American elected sheriff in Broward County. So good luck to Sheriff Tony. Now moving on to this week's full rigor episode topic, mass murder. American mass murderer who committed the 2017 Las Vegas shooting, Stephen Paddock, opened fire on a crowd of about 22,000 concert goers attending a country music festival on the Las Vegas Strip. You might recall this. It was horrific. The incident was the deadliest mass shooting by a lone shooter in United States history with 59 fatalities, including Paddock, he killed himself, and 869 injuries. 413 of them were gunfire, and obviously the others were being trampled, and Paddock shot himself dead in his hotel room, which he knocked out the window and just started shooting with tracer bullets on this crowd of people. It was disgusting. He had lived in Mesquite, Nevada, was a real estate investor, property manager, retired accountant, number cruncher. He was an amateur pilot and an avid video poker gambler. And he just wheeled in all of these guns into the service elevator, one right after the other, just duffel bags full of guns. His gun purchases spiked significantly between October 2016 and September 2017. He purchased over 55 firearms, the majority of them rifles, according to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. And he also purchased a number of firearm-related accessories. Now, prior to that, he had purchased approximately 29 firearms between 1982 and 2016, mainly handguns and shotguns. And his girlfriend noticed the increase of firearm-related purchases, but believed his interest was just a hobby in guns. It just seems to me that someone shouldn't be able to buy all those guns and tracer ammunition without a red flag going up. So on the night of October 1st, 2017, Paddock fired more than a thousand rounds from his hotel room at the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino into a large crowd of concert goers. He had meticulously planned the attack, and on September 25th, six days before the shooting, he checked into the hotel with 10 shooting range bags and a computer. And on September 29th, he moved into an additional suite that was connected to the first one, and both rooms overlooked the festival grounds. He stayed in both in the days leading up to the shooting, and then after he killed himself, police found 23 rifles and one handgun inside his room. His arsenal included a large quantity of ammunition and special high-capacity magazines holding up to 100 cartridges each. Some of the rifles were resting on bipods, and they were equipped with high-tech telescope sights. All 14 AR-15-type rifles were outfitted with bump stocks that allowed semi-automatic rifles to fire rapidly, simulating fully automatic gunfire. (laughs) 
They have since been banned. And audio recordings of the attack indicate that Paddock used those stocks to fire at the crowd in rapid succession. It's really sickening. And we still don't know why he did it. Paddock was eventually found dead inside his suite from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Good riddance. But before Paddock and that Vegas shooting, there was the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, right here in Florida, where 49 people were killed, 69 injured. So Paddock beat Omar Mateen by 10 fatalities. This happened on June 12, 2016. The shooter, 29-year-old Omar Sadiq Mateen, He was a security guard up in the Martin County area, and he had shown occasional flashes of interest in radical Islam, enough that the FBI investigated him twice in recent years for possible extremist ties. While some reports have suggested that Omar Mateen may have been gay because the Pulse nightclub was an LGBTQ club, federal officials say they found no evidence in his effects or online that he was gay. Plus, he was married to Noor Salman, who was tried actually as an accomplice and was acquitted. He apparently bought her a bunch of jewelry, about $9,000 worth of jewelry, before the shooting. So the shooting started around 2 a.m. on June 12, 2016. I'm at the club. That was Brian Elvere. He shot Snapchat video. As the shooting started, he was with his sister, Amanda, who was actually killed in the massacre. Now, the Orlando police finally posted on Twitter at 5.53. So that's about four hours later. The Pulse shooting, the shooter inside, the club is dead. 30 hostages were freed during the police operation. The survivors were searched by police for guns and explosives because apparently Matina told police that he also had snipers pipe bombs in the parking lot, and that he was wearing a suicide vest like the terrorist wore in France, which deterred Orlando police from breaching the building earlier and saving the scores of wounded and the hostages. They just kept saying, when is someone going to come in here and help us? So I want to focus less on the shooter being an ISIS sympathizer and more on some of those who survived this horrific mass shooting, like Angel Cologne. Here he is speaking from his hospital bed at Orlando Regional Medical Center. Unfortunately, I was uh, shot about three times in my leg, so I had fallen down. Um, I tried to get back up. Everyone started uh, running everywhere. I got trampled over. I shattered and broke my bones on my left leg. So by this time, I I couldn't walk at all. Uh, All I could do was just lay down there while everyone was just running on top of me. All I could hear was the shotgun, one after another, and people screaming, people yelling for help. By this time, this man, um, he goes into the other room, and I can just hear more shotguns going on. I thought I was a little safe at this time because, you know, it's giving everyone time to tackle him down or get him down. But unfortunately, I hear him come back and he's shooting everyone that's already dead on the floor, making sure they're dead. I was able to peek over and I can just see him shooting at everyone. And I can hear the shotguns closer and I look over and he shoots the girl next to me. And I'm just there laying down. I'm thinking I'm next. I'm dead. So I don't know how but by the glory of god he shoots towards my head but it hits my hand and then he shoots me again and it hits the side of my hip i had no reaction i was just prepared to just stay there laying down so he won't know that i'm alive and i'm looking up and some cops which i wish i can remember his face or his name because i'm to this day i'm grateful for him he looks at me he makes sure that, that i'm alive and 
he grabs my hand and he's like, this is the only way I can take you out. I'm like, please carry me because I'm in pain right now. I couldn't walk or anything. So he starts to drag me out across the street to the Wendy's and I'm grateful for him, but the floor is just covered in glass. So he's dragging me out while I'm just getting cut my behind, my back, my legs. And I don't feel pain, but I just feel all this blood on me from myself, from my other people. And he just drops me off across the street and I look over and there's just bodies everywhere. We're all in pain. The way that you guys have taken care of us in this hospital is amazing. Yep. If it wasn't for you guys, I definitely would not be here. And I really appreciate that. And uh, I would love you guys forever for doing that for me. So again, that's Angel Cologne. He was shot three times and critically injured at the Pulse nightclub early Sunday. Now he was able to survive thanks to the help of Eatonville police officer Omar Delgado. And you heard him there saying he would love to meet Delgado and thank him. Well, Delgado visited Cologne, Angel Cologne, at the Orlando Regional Medical Center. And here's what went down. How you doing, Angel? Good, how are you? Good. My name is Officer Omar Delgado. I'm one of the ones that uh, helped you uh, get out of harm's way, man. I need a big hug from you, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're doing good, man. So glad you're doing good. So glad you're alive, man. He came in and I just had a smile on my face. It was just happiness. I was so happy. I've, I've been wanting to see you, the man that took me out of that horrible place that was all just filled with craziness. And you know, I was happy. I was so happy. I'll see him again, you know, in a different environment, in a happy place, it's awesome. Just knowing that I helped, assisted, saving that man's life, and him thanking me, that was, that was you can't put into words, because, you know, you only get one life, and I'm glad now he can be with his family and continue living his life, and all because we all assisted him in getting him out as fast as we could. So the two embraced for several moments. Delgado told him repeatedly he was so glad he was alive. And Cologne's family cried and hugged each other in the background while Cologne and Delgado interacted. It was so cool. So all this talk of defunding the police, thank God there was a police officer like Omar Delgado who was there to help pull Angel Cologne out of the Pulse nightclub and save his life. Police officers put their lives on the line all the time. They're not all bad. Now, Patience Carter, who's a 20-year-old survivor of the Orlando nightclub shooting, describes the terrifying ordeal that she and two friends went through. She was just visiting at the time, and the guilt she feels after surviving the attack when one of her friends and so many others did not. I mean, it was her first time in Florida, first time in Orlando, First time at Pulse Nightclub, they actually Google mapped popular clubs in Orlando and Pulse came up with five stars. They got there about midnight and enjoyed themselves thoroughly. There's like three sections of Pulse Nightclub. There's the center part, the patio, and then the part where the live entertainment is. And they spent most of their night where the band was. And she thought, at one point she thought she heard some shots because they had just decided they were going to leave. And as they were walking out, they heard these shots and they were looking for their friend Tierra. Then she realized it wasn't a game, that it was real. She thought it was actually the club trying to clear out the people there so that they were playing the sound effect to get people to leave, but that wasn't it. So it went from having the time of their lives to the worst night of their lives in like one minute. And she said they laid there for hours hoping someone would save them all. Well, Patience Carter survived, and she wrote this poem to help her heal. The guilt of feeling grateful to be alive is heavy. Wanting to smile about surviving, but not sure if the people around you are ready. 
as the world mourns the victims killed and viciously slain, I feel guilty about screaming about my legs in pain because I could feel nothing. Like the other 49 who weren't so lucky to feel this pain of mine. I never thought in a million years that this could happen. I never thought in a million years that my eyes could witness something so tragic. Looking at the souls leaving the bodies of individuals, looking at the killer's machine gun throughout my right peripheral, looking at the blood and debris covered on everyone's faces, looking at the gunman's feet under the stall as he paces, the guilt of feeling lucky to be alive is heavy. It's like being drugged through the grass with a shattered leg and thrown on the back of a Chevy. It's like being rushed to the hospital and told you're going to make it when you laid beside individuals whose lives were brutally taken. The guilt of being alive is heavy. called us he was in the bathroom and okay. he said that there's a lot of dead people and I don't know. Okay, I understand. We are in the club. We're searching for everybody. We're pulling victims out. Please just have patience. How old is he? He's um, 20. Patience. That's kind of interesting. Patience Carter survived it and the 911 operator telling those who were in the club being held hostage to have patience. They were in there for so long. They even overheard Omar Mateen on the 911 call with negotiators explaining why he was doing what he was doing. What I can tell you is that while the killer made these murderous statements, he did so in a chilling, calm, and deliberate manner. That is the voice of a killer, Omar Mateen. In fact, the first 911 call came in at about 2.35 on the morning of June 12th. I pledge of allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Of the Omar Mateen's next call, 13 minutes later, is answered by a police negotiator. You have to tell America to stop bombing Syria and Iraq. They're killing a lot of innocent people. So what, what am I to do here when pe my people are getting killed over there? Mateen said he was upset that a U.S. airstrike had killed an ISIS fighter. That's what triggered it, okay? Okay. Okay. They shouldn't have bombed and killed Abu Wahid. But still, it took hours for Orlando police to breach the club. We know he's in the bathroom, um, we know he's armed, and we know he has some people in there with him. Our officers were intermittently in and out of that club, uh, saving people. We're being told possibly up to uh, 15 remaining in the club that are barricaded in. Our officers were able to push an air conditioning through uh, to one of the dressing rooms, and I believe saved eight people. An angel savior, Officer Omar Delgado, was one of the first on the scene. At that point, there was a lot of people r running out, yelling, screaming, crying. It was just, it was unreal. It was just a lot of bodies uh, laying on the ground. I began yelling, hey, get up, get up. It, it took a minute to realize that those people weren't getting up. There was a reason why those people weren't getting up, and it was because they were shot. Finally, hours later, police are able to bust through the wall into the bathroom, and Patience Carter was there. 
the police said, you know, move away from the walls because obviously they were about to bust through again. Finally, officers got through. I could not safely put officers in or get hostages out of that bathroom across from where he was without putting their lives in danger. So the, the best option was, was to breach an exterior wall. Finally, at 5.15 a.m., officers engage in a gunfight with Mateen. They killed him. I watched him die. You watched the killer die? Yeah, I could see him. Look at that, just shooting back and forth. We currently have no evidence that he was directed by a foreign terrorist group but was radicalized domestically. Mateen had threatened snipers, bombs, and a suicide vest, so officers defended their decision to take hours to breach the club. I think there was this misconception that we didn't do anything for three hours, and I'm just trying to clarify that that's absolutely not true. It was a brutal amount of time that they spent between 2 a.m. and 5 and 6 a.m. when this whole thing finally came to a close. Now, there were some casualties in terms of the police. Orlando police officer Michael Napolitano's Kevlar helmet saved his life after Omar Mateen shot him in the head. That helmet is now on display at the Orlando Police Department. Joshua McGill was another person that was at the Pulse nightclub, and he helped save the life of a bartender. This is what he told GMA after the fact. When the gunshots got further away, that's when I kind of peeked around to make my run for it. That's when I actually found Rodney kind of limping around and he was mumbling, he, he needs help. I went and grabbed him, brought him behind the car where I was. I told him everything was going to be okay, I'm here to help him. He told me he thinks he's been shot, so that's when I noticed he had been shot once in each arm. I took it upon myself to let him know that I'm going to try to stop the bleeding. I took my shirt off, tied it around his first initial gunshot wound on his left arm. I took his shirt off, tied it around his other arm where the other gunshot wound was. We proceeded to dodge and weave through the parking lot. That's when I noticed he had another gunshot wound on his upper back area because that's when he was starting to complain about pain. I just applied as much pressure as I could as we were walking him to the nearest officer that was on standby. Once getting to the officer, he basically you know, told us to lay low. He did say that there was no ambulance that were gonna be arriving on scene, but they were going to transport us to the emergency department via police patrol car. The officer said, all I need to do is keep him conscious. And when you get into the patrol car, we're gonna have you lay on your back and you're gonna have Rodney lay on top of you. And I want you to squeeze his back wound as tight as you can to constrict the blood and keep it to where he doesn't bleed out. During the process of riding to the emergency department, I can hear the police officers in the front seat saying, you know, keep him conscious, talk to him. That's when I learned his name. I, I was telling him my name, where I'm from, how old I am. I was asking him the same questions. He told me his name was Rodney, he's 27, from Jacksonville, Florida. He has a little brother. I told him, you know, stick with me, you're gonna be fine, I promise you, everything's gonna be okay. I did, however, tell him, you know, I'm not sure if you're religious or not, but we're gonna say a quick prayer. In fact, many of the victims were transported to the hospital, not in an ambulance, but also in pickup trucks and other cars, including police cars. There were so many victims who needed medical attention and who were bleeding out, and there were not enough paramedics or ambulances in the greater Orlando area that night. So victims became first responders, as in this case, and helped fellow survivors. So when a mass casualty event happens, the number one thing that you could do to help is to stop the bleed, to keep victims like Rodney alive long enough to get to the hospital.
But of course, many during the three-hour rampage bled out and didn't make it. I never thought that her life would be ended right in front of my eyes. She loves everybody equally. So many stories, like that of a son who was saved by his mother, who was a two-time cancer survivor, who used her body as a shield to protect him. So we will never forget four years ago in June, the massacre at Pulse Nightclub, a gay bar dance club in Orlando, Florida, and the scene of the second worst mass shooting by a single gunman in U.S. history, and the second deadliest terrorist attack on U.S. soil since the events of September 11th, 2001. Next week, I've been asked by Jill Singer, she's a mother of twin men and a full rigor aficionado, to dive deep into the disappearance of Tiffany Sessions. So Jill... I'm on it. That wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me. Until next week. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.